if genuine faith is expressed and live out, there will be opposition. It has been that way since the very beginning, and it will be that way until the Lord returns. And you know what? It's okay. Because as we suffer, we are following in the footsteps of our Savior who suffered to save us. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. First uh, Peter chapter 3 this morning. We're going to be back into our study of Peter, of Exiled. And if you just as you turn there uh, and get out your study guides, let me just really quickly, I'm not going to summarize all three chapters. I'm just going to summarize from uh, chapter 1, verse 1, where Peter says that he is writing to the elect exiles. And when we read that, just as a reminder, he is writing to believers. He is addressing those who have expressed and confessed faith in Jesus Christ. He is also writing to them as those who are exiled. And while we have said that they might be geographically exiled from their families, the the thrust that we're taking from that is they are theological exiles because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And because of their belief in Jesus Christ and the way that they live in the market, the way that they live in their cities, the way that they live in their towns, they become even more exiled from their community because of their belief in Christ. And so that is who Peter is writing to. And as we come to chapter 3 this morning, Peter is pivoting to really focus on what is on his mind. When, when Peter wrote this, um, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of teaching in here, okay? We understand that. But you get to the middle of the book and you see what was really on his mind. And Peter is writing to believers who are suffering for their faith. And this is going to be our topic over the next couple of weeks as we look at suffering. And, and Peter is going to direct us to why we suffer and how Jesus is our example and some practical steps to take if, if we are suffering. And as Peter writes this, what we, I want you to just hear this now because suffering is not something we like to talk about, but he's writing this as an encouragement. Okay, This is encouraging. And we will see that over the course of the next several weeks as well. So if you have your Bible open, verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil." 
This morning, as we look at these five verses, what I want us to notice is that Peter gives us three whys to our suffering. Okay, and we're going to see that this morning. And the first one he points out to us is that suffering is, is just going to occur. All right, it, it, it's just going to occur. Now, like I said, this is certainly not something that we want to think about. As I was writing this, I heard an ad for Disney World come on. And I, it just crossed my mind, and I know this is, is, is probably a little bit flippant, so forgive me for that. But if suffering was a Disney World ride, there would not be a line. Right? We, we've been to Disney World, or you've seen the, ride, the lines, right? You, you try to go ride Space Mountain, or you try to go ride the Avatar ride, or, or Buzz Lightyear, and, and I haven't been to Disney World in 20 years. I don't know what the most popular Disney World ride is at the moment. But there's always a line, right? You always have, anytime there, you know, from here, your wait time is one hour. From here, your wait time is two hours, right? And people, and you look at the line, and there's people at the two hour sign who is waiting in line to go ride a two-minute ride. And so it just occurred to me, if there was a big sign-up that said, suffering this way, no one in their right mind would go into that line. It's just it's not something that we want to. But Peter says, it's going to come. And he says, it, it needs to come because, he says, if you are doing what is right. So suffering is going to occur in our lives, but it should occur because we're suffering for righteousness. He says, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Now, interesting, think about if, they, if you go back in time to when Peter wrote this, what would their answer to that question be? We know it's kind of rhetorical, but the answer would be the emperor who does not like Christians. Who is, who is there to harm you? Oh, the emperor can harm us. But Peter is asking it more in a rhetorical question. He says, Who, who's going to hurt you if you're zealous for what is good? So if you're suffering for what, for righteousness, who, who's going to hurt you? And of course, the answer today in most places as well is going to be political authorities. Think about our brothers and sisters in, in Yemen or China or North Korea or places where it is illegal to be a believer. That's, that's where people's mind are, are going to go in the, the original audience as well. And from an earthly perspective, that would be pretty good. It would be a correct answer. But from God's perspective, God's saying no evil can affect them. Remember what Peter writes in verse 12? He says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayer, but, his, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God's eyes is watching, He's watching the righteous. He's watching you this morning. He's paying very close, careful attention to you while His face, meaning uh, those who are doing evil, His face, he's, he's kind of glaring at those who are doing evil. He knows what's going on. And His face isn't against us. Instead, His eyes and His ears with compassion are looking down on His people. So who is there to fear? Remember what Paul wrote in Romans 8.31? Right? He gives that, that list right before, I think beginning in verse 26, he gives that list of, you know, neither height nor power nor principalities and, and powers to be and all this. Who can, who can be against us? And he gets to the end and he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer to that question is, no one. 
So even if we are the targets of slander, insults, in the terms of the audience Peter is writing to, or some other believers today who, who suffer physically uh, or physical abuse for their faith, ultimately there is nothing that they can do to harm us for our final victory. Because our final victory is in heaven, not on earth. Remember what I said if you, if you tuned in to our Bible study from Revelation uh, this past Wednesday night when we looked at the voices of the martyrs that are coming from the altar? The people who killed them thought they won. And we said, no, 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 they didn't win. They're in heaven with God under His protection. They, they are safe. They're the ones who actually won. So even if they are dead, they are, even if they are physically dead and their bodies are buried on the earth, they're, they're alive and in God's care. So God's eye is on the righteous. And therein lies the caveat. Because He says, if you do what is right... There are times, believers, when we suffer and it has nothing to do with our faith. Okay? There are times that we suffer because we did what was wrong. There are times that we suffered because we broke a law. There's times that you suffer because you were just downright rude. And in those moments, we can't run and go, I'm suffering for my faith. I'm suffering for my faith. No, we're not. You do 75 and a 55 and get pulled over. The police officer is not persecuting you because you're a Christian. He's persecuting you because you broke the law. And now you're going to have to suffer with higher insurance premiums because you did what was wrong. See, if we're suffering for what is right and we're doing what God is leading us to do, and we're living a faithful life, even though we may suffer, we don't have to be concerned about it because God's eyes is on the righteous. And so Peter tells us then that if we are suffering, we do not need to be fearful because suffering can bring fear, right? Suffering can bring fear. Peter writes, do not fear. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, there you are. He says, have no fear of them. Now, the literal translation I like better is, their fear, do not fear. I like that better because when it's written like that, it's almost like a shadow approaching, right? You're afraid of what's about to happen more than the actual event. Who's ever been afraid of something or fearful of something that you think is going to happen, and then it doesn't happen the way you thought it was? And, and, and you're like, wow, I've been really afraid of basically what? A shadow of, of what's coming. Peter writes, their fear, do not fear. We don't need to be afraid. I've seen the word fear written as an acrostic before. You probably have too. False expectations appearing real. And the false expectation is that they can harm you. Peter says, they can't harm you. Now, before you go, well, Gary, they can, they can inflict pain on me. They can be, yes, that is true. But ultimately, they can't. The worst that they can do is kill you for your faith. And you're going, well, Gary, that's pretty dramatic. And it is. 
Okay, I won't disagree. But what happens in a believer's life the moment we die? Do we lose or do we win big time? We win. And so we don't need to be afraid of their fear. God writes in His Word, says, He has not given us a spirit of fear. So ask yourself this question. If you're afraid of what might happen to you because because of your faith, where's that fear coming from? It's not coming from God. Because He said He he hasn't given us a, a spirit of fear. What's happened is we've allowed our feelings, our our fear of being afraid, to replace what we know. And here's just a side note, a good word of caution, not just as it relates to suffering, but when it comes to God and and many aspects of, of life. The question, how do you feel or how do I feel, is a dangerous question. Because if you haven't figured out yet, your feelings will lie to you especially when it comes to things of God? A much better question, if you're suffering instead of, how, how do you feel about this suffering? Well, I don't like it. I guess God doesn't like me. Whoa, whoa, hold on. The better question is, what do you know? Oh, I'm suffering, but God's, God's eyes are on me. He knows what I'm going through. And He's not giving me the spirit of fear, so I don't, I don't need to be afraid. David emphatically wrote it this way in Psalm 56, 4. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. If our trust is in God, there is nothing else on this world that can inspire fear in us. And as we do that, Peter says, now that you're you're suffering, if you're suffering, and you're suffering for righteousness, he says, now look for the blessing. Now, at first glance, those two things do not go together. I have asked many people, how, how are you doing today? And I've received the answer, I'm blessed. How are you? Anybody had somebody answer that? I've had. I have never in my life looked at somebody and said, how are you feeling today? And they go, I'm suffering, but I'm blessed. I've never had them to add the and suffering part to it. So they don't seem to go together. But both times in Peter's letter, when he uses the word blessing, he uses it in relation to suffering. So according to Peter, then, the blessing of suffering is, it places us, now listen to this, in a position of divine favor. And you go, well, what divine favor is that? Well, it points to the fact that we are partakers in God's salvation. That it was Jesus, you remember, who said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The believer's blessing is not health and wealth and prosperity your, your whole life. The believer's blessing is living rightly because of the faith we have in Jesus Christ and because of the promise of heaven for those who suffer for it. So if life brings suffering because of our righteousness, then it's nothing less than a blessing giving evidence to our salvation and God's favor upon us. So suffering turns us and causes us to look at God and say, man, I'm blessed because I am one of His, even though I may be suffering right now. So Peter calls our attention to the fact that believers, that suffering does occur in our lives. But then Peter says, 
I want you to know, secondly, that suffering provides believers an occasion to testify to our faith. Peter writes right there in verse 15, but in your hearts honor <clears throat> excuse me, honor Christ and the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. So when suffering or if suffering comes into our lives because of righteousness, because of our faith, then it gives us a chance to honor Jesus. A better translation, and I think King James and New American Standard, a couple other translations, actually write, sanctify Christ as Lord, because that's, that's the word that is used, sanctify. And this is the positive action that we are called to take. Right? We are not to fear our enemies. Instead, we are to set Jesus apart and make our focus be Him. We, we, we've set Him apart above everything in our lives, including suffering. We said, no, no, no. Jesus is my focus. I have set Him apart. I'm, I'm sanctifying Him. I'm not going to let all the fear and the anxiety and the worry over here and the suffering and the slander and, and whatever is happening over here creep in to where I have set Jesus apart. He's apart. He, I've set Him apart in my heart, and, and I'm not going to let that stuff get in. And that's what Peter writes. We, we set Christ apart in our hearts. And that, that again, is, is that, that, that truth, that, that innermost part of us that, that's inaccessible to, to others. Right? It, it, it's, it's our heart. We're acknowledging in, our, in the center of our being and sanctifying in the center of our being Jesus Christ so that, that when our suffering may come, that, that it doesn't displace Christ from in our hearts. And though it is a private acknowledgement, it does not remain private. Because one thing I think I've, you've heard me say over and over and over before is our inner lives are inseparable from our outer life. The faith that we have inside spills over into the world and is displayed to the world for the world to see. And what greater chance for the world to see a demonstration of our faith than when we are suffering? Because Peter writes that it gives us a chance to explain our hope. If you're suffering for righteousness, it gives you a chance to testify to, about Jesus Christ and to tell somebody the gospel. So this is the, the outward manifestation of us internally setting Jesus apart. And this verse has been quoted and, and used correctly to, to justify Christian apologetics, right? The, the, the study of apologetics really means to give a defense. And there's some great Christian apologists out there who, who go into debate and, and, and they use all these different debate methods to, to win debates and arguments and, and testify to Jesus. But, but think about this for just a moment. When Peter wrote this, there was not a school to prepare people to be an apologist. Who was Peter writing to? Who was Peter telling needs to be prepared to give a reason for their hope? Every single believer who had who would read this letter. 
He's not saying you got to be some skilled debater. He is saying if you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, then you need to be able to defend the faith. You need to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have. That, that's what Peter says. Now, how, how do we do that? Right? I mean, th- there's a lot going on in here. And one of the things that I find really interesting is that Peter, his answer, look at what his answer to suffering is. The world is inflicting suffering on the believer because of righteousness. And Peter's response is, go be in the world more. When we went on the mission field, this is one of the things that you're taught before you, you go over and live in a different culture. And when you hear it, it just it sounds bizarre. But several people, several speakers, as we went through the IMB process, can't, you know, would speak and say, now look, you're going to get overseas and there, there's going to be days where you don't want to have anything to do with the people you're ministering to. And, and you think, first of all, you think, I'm super spiritual. I'm going to love those people and I'm always going to be happy to be around them. <clears throat> there were times in Moscow, I was glad to shut and lock that door. <laughs> I was like, all right, I've, I've had enough Russian. I really have. And without fail, the missionaries always gave the same advice. They said, when you felt like that, unlock the door and go back out and be among the people. And you're going, well, first of all, I'm super spiritual. I'm never going to feel that way. So secondly, I don't need to take that other piece of ice. First of all, I learned I'm really not that spiritual. (laughs) And then secondly, I learned it's really hard to unlock that door and go back out. (laughs) But that was the answer. The answer was never to retreat. Peter's answer to people who are suffering is not to retreat. He says, go back out there. Go back out into the world and tell them why you believe and give them reason for your hope. Go tell them about the gospel. One person wrote that cultural isolation is not the route to be taken by the Christian community. It is to live openly in the midst of the unbelieving world and just as openly to be prepared to explain it. There is something, and I understand it, there is something about when you're suffering, you just want to withdraw and not be around anybody, especially the people who are causing you to suffer. And Peter says, go back out. Go back out and testify. And as he writes this, he expects every believer to have a grasp of the essentials of the faith so that they can explain it to other people. This morning it's a hard question to ask, but, but, but can you? Can you explain the essentials of the Christian faith so that people would know how to become a believer? Now, now let me up the ante on this by just a little bit. Can you do it without Christianese? Can you can you do it without using the? Can you? Man, I was I, I was lost, and I, I didn't know what to do. I was, I was just lost. Why don't you pull out your phone and look at your GPS? Right? I mean, we, we, don't, we don't think about the language that we use. There was a movie I watched several years ago. And an executive from Florida, she was going to Wisconsin, I think Minnesota, Minnesota to their factory. And the lady in Minnesota who picks her up from Florida is a believer. And so they're driving down the road. And the believer in the car turns to her and says, have you found Jesus? 
And the person from Florida goes, I didn't know he was lost. Right? I mean, we, 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 you can laugh at that. That's funny. But we do that. We don't think about it. If we've been in church for a really long time, we know the words. But, but can you explain it without all those words? 1 Corinthians 15. All right, Here, here's a good one. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance that I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then He appeared to no more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, to one as untimely born, he appeared also to me. That first part, when, when, when Paul writes about that, there's, there's not a lot of... We talk about how difficult Paul's doctrine is sometimes. And he uses words like justification and adoption and all that. Christ died for me. He was buried and he was raised according to what God said. That's pretty simple. Peter expects us to be able to give a reason for our hope. And he says, when you do, he says, do it with respect. He says, when you give a reason, he says, do it with gentleness and respect. Even if the culture is yelling at you, even if the culture is reviling you, he says, do it with gentleness and respect. He says, if you do that, then, uh, you know, they will be put to shame. Now, we don't share the gospel to put people to shame, all right? We think about shame as, as something uh, to embarrass someone, and that's really not what it means. It, the idea really is to be overthrown. And you think, well, Gary, that seems much more, uh, <laughs> that seems worse than, than being embarrassed. The idea Peter is trying to convey is that when a believer shares their testimony, that what actually happens is it defeats the maliciousness of the people who are speaking falsely against them. So the gospel, because we know it is the power unto salvation, ends up overthrowing the false accusations that people are bringing against us. It ends up overthrowing those who would seek to persecute us for the faith. So Peter says, hey, you, you, if you're suffering and you want victory during suffering, go tell them and share the gospel with them. Because suffering brings us opportunity to testify for our faith. And then finally, suffering gives us an opportunity to grow in our faith. Peter says, says for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. So Peter is telling us that believers will grow in righteousness while we suffer, and at the same time we grow in that righteousness, we will grow in recognizing God's will in our lives. Because as we start to suffer, it, it makes us, we, we have to make a choice. We, we've got to make a choice. We've got to decide which is bigger. Is the suffering in our lives bigger, or is God bigger? We have to choose. Well, I hope you know the answer. I read Psalm 29 this morning. Who's bigger? God. <laughs> He's bigger. And so if we suffer for our faith, it gives us a chance then to demonstrate once again that, that we believe what we say we believe. 
Because when we suffer, our reaction is supposed to be markedly different than the rest of the world. Instead of lashing out, we share the gospel. Instead of going in, uh, caving into fear, we trust in the Lord. Instead of hiding behind the door, we go back out into the marketplace. Instead of seeking revenge, we, we seek to, to share the gospel with people. Instead of cursing our enemy, we're called to love our enemy. And every time we take those actions, then we are growing in our righteousness. And as we grow in righteousness, one of the things that leads you to discover is God's will. And Peter writes, if this is God's will. God is not a God who is going to inflict suffering on His people just because He can. All right, that, that would make God cruel. Instead, God brings suffering in a believer's life to bring about a more beautiful faith. And as that suffering might come into our lives for, for being a believer, then God's will for us is to live faithfully and do what is right according to His Word. And what we're told here, God can use that suffering in His will to help you grow in your faith. And it points us to one last truth this morning, that God is sovereignly in control of, your, of suffering, not your enemies. They may think that they are. They may think, hey, look at the way that I can, I, I can inflict pain and suffering in, in this person's life. And what we find out is that God is the one who is still in control, that God is in, sovereign over all of this because His eyes, once again, are on us. He's watching us and He knows what we are going through. So Peter writes this morning to answer the question, why do believers suffer? Why might it happen in our life? Why might we suffer for being righteousness? And we're told because where genuine faith is, or where genuine faith is expressed, opposition will arise. If genuine faith is expressed and live out, there will be opposition. It has been that way since the very beginning. And it will be that way until the Lord returns. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because as we suffer, we are following in the footsteps of our Savior who suffered to bring us to God, who suffered to save us. Right? And what we know then is that after His suffering... When Peter wrote that on the third, or Paul wrote on the third day, he, he, he rose again according to Scripture. We know that when he burst forth from the tomb on that third day, that he rose in victory and in glory. And we know what else? As believers, just as we follow in his footsteps to suffer, one day we will follow in his footsteps of victory as well. And that brings us encouragement this morning. If we should suffer... For doing what is right. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.